It was literally the valley of the shadow of death. These were very dark days for Jeremiah. Some six centuries before Christ appeared on the scene, foes from the north had come and had changed life completely. Even 150 years before Jeremiah, Assyria came and took over, did its destructive work in the northern kingdom. Ten tribes were settled there. These are called now the ten lost tribes. Who knows where they went? Some of them, it is said, when they saw the impending destruction, they escaped and journeyed south to the land of Judah, which appeared to be a safe place. And yet as history was unfolding across the years, Assyria, this great military power, began to see the threat of an even greater power, and that was Babylon, this stronger military giant that ultimately came in and overtook Assyria. As Babylon extended its control, Judah was in its sights. Jeremiah was a young prophet who saw the impending doom. He was called of God to speak a word that no one wanted to hear. He spoke it reluctantly because it was a warning to the powers that be in Judah. And his warning was, unless you surrender, you will not assuage destruction. He called on the king to surrender even before the war had begun. Can you imagine being in a situation like this? Can you imagine the trap of nationalism in which you think that your country is invincible? Is not this part of what is driving certain situations in our world today? Is not this a part of what North Korea is telling itself? Is this not part of what Russia is telling itself? That it is that they are invincible nations. Over and over again, Jeremiah warned, the days are coming. The days are coming, but his was a voice of doom because he saw what can be read in scripture, that the king wasn't listening to him. He was seeking to be politically relevant to his people in that day and age. And to do anything less than lift up a rallying cry to say that we can defeat any foe because God is with us was to be less of a king than he saw himself to be. And yet Jeremiah said over and over again, if you choose this path, you will carry us into complete destruction. 
and destruction did come. Because of the choices that were made, life was hard. And not only was Jerusalem destroyed, but the people that were left there, the few that remained, were carried into exile in Babylon. The scripture contains the pain from these times. In Psalm 137, it says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there, we hung up our harps for there our captors asked us for songs and our tormentors asked for mirth saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? You and I look at our lives and each of us reflects on difficult images, either from recent past or distant past. If you and I are honest with each other, which we have sought to be over the course of these Sundays of Lent, if we are honest with each other, there is much wilderness still to be dealt with in our lives. And if there's anything that's clear to me today, rehab is tough. Rehab aims to dismantle the old, not just move past it. It aims to dismantle the old and reestablish the new. And you and I left to ourselves will simply let things be as they are. It is easier to live in the old than it is to envision ourselves into the new. What is it that you are dealing with right now that is this plague upon your soul? We hold on to it with all of our might. Now we might tell someone else, it has got its its grip on us. But the truth is that this is a two-way embrace. We are holding on to it as well. Those things that would destroy us become this comfort, strangely enough, to move us from day to day. It is only when we surrender to God that we become recipients of that great promise that he brings to us in Christ. A preacher friend of mine shared with me that a man came to visit him in his office. The man was so cloaked with darkness that you could see it on his face. The shadow of the world weighing down on him. <clears throat> My preacher friend said that it was just a short visit there in the office, but that it was uh, so real to be able to see the Lord begin to work within the life of this person to see creation in his own life in a new way. The way the man described it, who I talked to myself, he said to me, I tell you, when I went in to that office, it was winter. 
when I came out, it was spring. What a blessing it is to enter into God's concept of newness and rehabilitation. Where are you in your life? What is it that needs to be rehabilitated? A trusted soul told me one day when I was in a very dark, dark place, he said to me what I needed to hear, bad things don't remain bad things forever. He said, regardless of how it may appear right now, God is continually in the process of redeeming all of creation and that includes you. How is it that you see this process unfolding? Where are you in your life? Are you so comfortable with the old that Christ is not able to reestablish the new? Can you find a sense of comfort in Jeremiah's words as he says the days are surely coming says the Lord when I will make a new covenant I will put my law within them I will write it on their hearts What is it that has a hold of you? What is it that you have a hold of that controls your life? Mary Oliver, the great poet, says, if the doors of my heart ever close, I'm as good as dead. Do you know what she means? If the doors of my heart ever close, I am as good as dead. Just briefly, let's remember back to those who were in rehab with God. Do you remember King David and his affliction with Bathsheba? Do you remember, who knows how the situation developed? At one time, David might have said, well, she shouldn't have been out on her roof bathing naked like that. Bathsheba might have said, I had nothing to do with it. You were king. You asked me to come, and I came to your room. All kinds of stories here. But what is critical is that David knew finally the truth that he was wrong. In Psalm 51, you can hear it. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And in the 10th verse, what does he say? Create 
in me a clean heart and put a new and right spirit within me. Isn't this an understanding of what Jeremiah was saying when he said, I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. Jesus may have been thirsty, but I bet he just wanted to engage in conversation. As he sat by the well that day and a woman of Samaria showed up and he asked for a drink of water and her response was, who are you to ask me? You're Jewish, I'm Samaritan. You're a man, I'm a woman. You're not even supposed to be talking to me. She's thinking in her mind what's going on in this conversation And then Jesus truly engages her with this conversation about living water to the point that finally when she looks in his eyes, in those eyes that have seen who she is and what is it that she needs in terms of rehabilitation, she says to him, Lord, give me that living water. Let me have that. And oh so freely, he wishes to do the same for us. She runs back to the village to tell everyone of this Messiah come to town. Do you remember we talked about Jesus' traveling across that Sea of Galilee and arriving at the other side and discovering There at a cemetery, there had been one person at least that had been cast off from society. They didn't know what to do with him. He didn't know what to do with them. He was living among the tombs. And Jesus, as he spoke to him, realized that he was not just invaded by one spirit of evil, but a great host of evil things in his mind and his heart. And Jesus cast all of this out. Can you imagine what was going on in this man's mind? At first, those demons even shouted to protect their property in that man's spirit (laughs) and yet they relinquished at the sound of Jesus's voice you and I are so afraid to give up for not knowing what the future will be do you remember the story last week of Nicodemus coming And how this Pharisee of Pharisees who knew the law came playing word games with Jesus and how in those, that conversation at night, Nicodemus asked Jesus 
Okay, so how am I supposed to go into the womb of my mother again and be born? And Jesus said to him, you must be born from above. All of this must transform your life. I can't help but think that Nicodemus knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. And he gave up. He surrendered. He gave himself over to what only God could do. I tell you, this promise in Christ is powerful. Christ brings hope that we can receive nowhere else. And I invite you to be a people of hope, a people of promise.